2: Welcome into to the Awesome MMA strategy show. We're here to get you ready for UFC Vegas number 44, which goes down on Saturday night, start time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, main card, 10 p.m. Eastern time, headlined by Rob Font. Take it on Jose Aldo, key matchup here in the Bantamweight division. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Later on in the show, we'll talk about some of the Monkey Knife Fight plays we like for Saturday's UFC Vegas number 44. Hopefully everyone had a great Thanksgiving week, a week off for us here on on the MMA team here, but uh, we are back at it. my guy, Pete, kicking that NBA knowledge.
1: (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, Jason? Missed you. Missed uh, talking about some fights. Um, Hope everybody had a great holiday. Now we get back to it with a very, very exciting card. Tons of fights, tons of volatility. So can't wait to discuss it with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things you look at this fight card, underdogs are, are really what oh we're God. sticking out there this mm-hmm. week. And uh, me and Pete were talking right before the show. This is maybe this is one of those weeks where you could potentially have a lot of money left on the table. Of course, as we do this show, we don't know what the FanDuel salaries are. We do have the DraftKings salaries out there, but you know that was kind of like my big takeaway as I was putting together my spreadsheet of the salaries. Pete was simply of like, man, there are some fighters here where we. There are multiple places we can save on salary this week.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't feel funny if you have thousands of dollars left on the table. Honestly, like this is going to be underdog city or at least a ton of underdogs have the opportunity to come through um, more so than other cards. And with 15 fights, this seems like a, a crazy GPP week that could definitely – um be helped by the use of groups on fantasy cruncher uh, trying to target certain and specific matchups. I think that's one way to to really narrow down your uh your field and, and try to get the right combinations, but overall it's going to be a crazy week.
2: And of course, main event Rob Font taking on Jose Aldo. Rob Font the slight favorite in this one. He's 8400 over on DraftKings. Jose Aldo seventy eight hundred. Of course, we're both familiar with Rob Font. Of course, Rob mm-hmm. uh, trained up there in northeast. He uh, went to school down here, uh, here in my hometown of, of Tampa, Florida. And uh, you know, I mean, look, the thing with, I think about Rob Font is I think about boxing. But looking at it from the Jose Aldo side of the equation in this one, and look, I don't think this is a necessarily a must roster potential fight. But it, just depending on how it goes. But if I'm Jose Aldo, I think the game plan has got to be be the pressure fighter force Rob Font on his heels, and also threaten with grappling in his jiu-jitsu.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a definite path to victory for Jose Aldo is just mixing it up, uh, not staying in the pocket and allowing Rob Font's jab to start to get to work. Uh, because once once Rob Font really starts to uh, build some momentum, you start to see that exceptional striking. And that's what Rob's going to want to do. He's going to want to dictate the striking, be very careful of the counters, stuff the wrestling attempts it's going to be a lot more difficult than I think a lot of people are imagining. I think this is a very, very close fight. If you want to roster Jose Aldo, by all means, I I have no, no problem against that at all. I think that he's one of the best fighters ever. And, um, you're talking about a fighter that's probably a little bit more well-rounded than, than Rob font. Rob font is more of a specialist in the striking department. Whereas, uh, Jose Aldo can mix things up and and look to implement some jujitsu, which is definitely there. Um, it's just who's on the upward trajectory and who is on the the downward, you know, uh, and I would say that Jose Aldo's best days are, are possibly behind him. And I do think that Rob Font is starting to really, you know, build off that momentum and come into his own. Again, with all that being said, this is just a very, very slight lean to me that I think that Rob Font could get it done in the decision. Uh, you talked about it and and we we discussed it about how five round nature, if it goes to distance, makes me want to think that maybe Rob Font can outpoint him. Over the course of 25 minutes. So it's a very, very close fight. I don't know if it's going to be a part of the optimal lineup just because there's going to be so, so many different variations and, and crazy high point totals, but I will slightly lean towards Rob font.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, people are going to look at that fight that Rob Font had against Cody Garbrandt where he had yeah, 176 significant strikes in that one. That is something to pay attention to in terms of that one. Of course, you know, Rob, obviously, uh, you know, that, that jab that he has is one of the one of the better jabs there uh, in, in the UFC. And one of the things I do like that, Rob Font's been in Vegas for like three weeks. Yeah. Uh, him, him and the New England cartel, I, I saw it last week. They were there prior to Thanksgiving. And I like that. The fact of they've pretty much as a team have isolated themselves in las vegas
1: yeah i like that a lot i like the the preparation i like how they're isolated out there they're ready uh acclimated even though it's it's not like you're fighting at like crazy elevation or anything like that but i do just think it's good for the mindset like getting into you know the war room with your teammates and calvin cater your your main training partner and sparring partner and calvin cater a big guy and it surprises me that he can make by the way So when, when everybody's saying, you know, how Jose Aldo used to be, you know, a featherweight and he's going to be so, so much stronger than, than Rob font. I do. I do think that he will be stronger than Rob font, but Rob deals with Calvin Cater on the daily. So I I think that it's going to help him in the preparation. And I can't wait to see the fight.
2: Uh, Tom Pags, another guy, a part of that team, a name to remember name to remember he took a short nose fight that did go his way but he's that he's that new part of that new wing cartel to pay attention to there of course this is the also mma strategy show of course i uh, appreciate it be sure to give also a like right here on youtube subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here sh- here on the channel of course coming up after us will be the nhl strategy Show. And of course later on today we got you covered for your nfl and nba coverage and if you're not a member of awesome o plus and you want to get a peek What's behind the paywall? today's stays free printing data and tools over awesomo.com. Our Thursday night football top plays, NBA player rankings, and NHL top stacks. So check that out. Also, we'll talk to you about a promo we got going on here for the MMA strategy show later on here in the show. Let's move on to the co-main event as we've got a matchup of two guys who are very familiar with each other, Brad Riddell and Raphael Fiziev. 7,900 for Brad Riddell, 8,300 for F- Fiziev here. And, and this is one of those ones where, and Pete, we were talking this before the show, like I think this is a fight that's likely going to hit the third round. Um, Brad Riddell, I mean, I think it, the question is, can you take one of the first two rounds? If not, because um, I do have c- some concerns about Raphael in the third round in terms of his cardio.
1: Yeah. So these, these guys are former training partners and both are coaches at Tiger Muay Thai. Ever since that they've moved on, you have Rafael Fazeev a part of uh, Sanford MMA and, you know, Brad Riddell, you know, mixing in work with city kickboxing and everything. So you have two incredible strikers in this matchup where Rafael Faziv is definitely the more explosive and powerful of the two where Brad Riddell has probably the toughness and volume edge um, no, I shouldn't say volume, I, I should say uh, three round cardio with good output throughout the entire 15 minutes. Uh, Hafio Vazib looks great early on. Uh, round one and round two is ex- you know extremely dangerous, but he does somewhat fall off a cliff in round three. My worry with this is how they're both going to nullify each other so so much, it's going to be like a mirror match. And when fighters, it happens in New England a lot when fighters train with each other for so long over the years, they know each other so well. It tends to be a boring fight. I don't think it's going to be a boring fight, but I feel like it's going to be a very calculated fight, which could not uh, result in good scoring for DFS. I, I, I mean, you can make a case for either one of these guys. I do think that Rafael Fazeev, his explosiveness and power could do enough in the early going to really get uh, the fight in his favor. I don't really see him finishing Brad Riddell, but I do agree with you think, thinking that he can somewhat bank two rounds. It's just a matter of, Can he survive a third round onslaught from Brad Riddell? It's a close, close fight, but I am siding with Rafael Vaziv. Again, I'm a little bit worried that them knowing each other so well doesn't result in the best points.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things, and we've seen it so many times, Peter, of two guys who have, or or ladies, that have worked together in the past that sometimes it doesn't always equal the best fight.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean it's you know each other you you know if you got caught or you got destroyed in one aspect that you know their strengths you know their weaknesses and um i could see it where if, if this was a mismatch of skill whereas like yeah they know each other but one of them has horrible grappling and horrible submission defense well i would probably lean towards the fighter that that has the better overall wrestling in that but these guys are very very evenly matched and i think that it's uh, it's going to be, you know, com, you know, contested throughout the 15 minutes. And I can't wait to watch it. It's much more of a sit back and enjoy the fight rather than, you know, bank on it for your DFS lineups.
2: Uh, Got a, a comment over on YouTube. Radell easily fight of the night. Him versus Drew Dover was yeah. effing insane. I mean, look, it, it's I, I think from a, a just a, a combat sports fan, this should be a fun fight to watch. But I, I just don't know when, and when we're talking about GPPs. I just don't know if this is a fight that finds its way into the optimal lineup.
1: There's so many fights, right? Like you have to prioritize in order to really oh. narrow down the field and, and get to certain fights that you have that 100 plus potential. If somebody's going to get a finish, I would like to think it's Hopfield Fazib at 8,300, which would be an absolute steal. But I don't foresee a finish coming. And I think it's going to be a 15 minute decision in uh, a close one.
2: Next up, we got light heavyweights. Jimmy Crude taking on Jamal Hill. Jimmy Cruz 9,200. Jamal Hill, 7,000. Of course, both these guys coming off uh, fights where they lost, uh, essentially due to injury. Um, you know, Jamal Hill, uh, clearly he's not going to tap, no question about it. And uh, Jimmy Cruz, he'll go out there and fight on one leg. Uh, I think we all remember kind of that, that dead leg that he had as a referee's like, no, walk towards me. Walk towards me. And the uh, referee's like, yeah, I'm not going to let you go out there. But, like, for me, break the fight down was not really difficult. For me, Pete, because my thought is for Jimmy Croot, it's about utilizing your wrestling. If you're Jamal Hill, it's about, you know, keeping your distance and also having better fight IQ, which we did not see in his fight against Paul Craig.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the fight IQ for both of these fighters is somewhat absent and probably their weakest link. Uh, Jimmy Crute has that grappling pedigree and that grappling potential. Jamal Hill has that exceptional striking from distance, good volume, just good Good striking overall. Um, And I can see this making its way into the optimal lineup. Like, I would much rather target this volatile matchup where I think it could end up being one way traffic for either one of these fighters. Uh, Jimmy Crude at 9,200, you're really hoping that he can get the fight to the mat. I think that if he does get the fight to the mat, he has an extreme advantage over Jamal Hill, who, um, you know, doesn't have the best jujitsu and clearly showed that his fight IQ on the mat is something to be worried about uh because against paul craig that arm was gross it just got completely mangled and jimmy crook can find submissions against some very very talented fighters i mean he has a submission win over Ola Shechuk actually has a submission win over paul craig so if he can get top position and get the takedown you like him here at 9200 my question is does he decide to use his wrestling right and this is the thing mm-hmm. about mma dfs it's not like you know, in NBA DFS, where you know how certain players are going to go out there and perform or fall into stats. This is a matter of game plans and executing the game plans. And you just have to be correct on who's going to execute on what night. Jamal Hill could easily win this fight. This is clearly one of my favorite GPP fights to target. I will ever so slightly lean towards Jimmy Crude at 9,200 that the fight ends up on the mat and he ends up getting it done. But Jamal Hill, easily one of the best, you know, underdogs on the slate
2: yeah i mean i think there's underdogs throughout this car that you can point Mm -hmm. to and say let me go with that guy let me go with this guy the price point jimmy crew does scare me a little bit at at 9200 but you know i the one thing i can't get the thought process of jamal hill escapes one submission paul craig yeah and it's like dude all you gotta do is break away but he goes right back into the guard and and that's that's the thing that kind of scares me about jamal hill
1: yeah well if you're an aggressive fighter you want to try to ground and pound your opponent as much as possible especially when you're a very good striker you'll see that a lot of amazing strikers have good ground and pound if they're in top position so that's when they get a little bit overzealous it's happened to me in the past and you get submitted because of it uh jamal hill if he has the correct game plan with an adjusted skill set i think that he can go out there and make light work of jimmy crew because jamal hill's striking in the ufc it looked absolutely amazing it's just it's a volatile matchup. I, I'm going to set a group. I'm not really going to care who I'm going to get. I just want to make sure I get one of these guys in my lineup.
2: No doubt about it. missed a question from the chat about FanDuel, of course. As we're doing the show, FanDuel – Salaries had not been released, but asking yep. what do we think about Fanduel moving takedown defense fancy points, uh, I was not a huge fan of it because that's actually like one of the reasons why I love to play over on Fanduel because Same. I thought it made I thought it made their their game different and also it allowed you you know those fighters who may have been you know had a salary of like eight nine ten eleven dollars they sat there and said hey they're going to have to stop takedowns so it kind of made roster construction easier but uh, yeah it's no longer there and. You know, I always have to think about that when I'm making Fanduel um, yeah. rosters. Now to say, Jason, that's not there. You can't, you can't put that into consideration.
1: Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it made the platform different. I thought that the scoring system was it was neat. Um, but it's not the case anymore. And it's uh, it's I don't know. I don't know why they decided to change it, but they did.
2: Next up, we got Clay Guida taking on Leonardo Santos, the 41 year old Leonardo Santos, a BJJ whiz. He's 8800, 7400 for Clay Guida. And I just, every time I think about this fight, I just see Clay Guida getting submitted via guillotine off a sloppy yeah. shot.
1: It can happen. And I'll tell you what, when I was training out in New Mexico, um, Clay Guida in the in the practice room, obviously it's practice, but he falls into submissions a lot. And I remember that's when he was fighting Anthony Pettis. And I think everybody, a part of the gym, minus a few people, were really worried because Pettis has amazing striking. He's better striking than Clay Guida, and he has excellent jujitsu off of his back. but You know, hindsight 2020, Clay Guida went out there and just completely wrestled them and and showed that he can if he can avoid some submissions, he can definitely win from top position and just solidifying rounds. But he does find himself into submissions in the past and uh, pretty uh, frequently. So I think that Santos is a nice value at 8,800, a little pricey, but I also think it's warranted because of the upside and the fact of Clay Guida's submission defense is somewhat lacking at times. Uh, Santos, I could see a guillotine or a triangle happening because you know that Clay Guida, he'll probably strike until he gets crapped and then he'll resort to his wrestling, um, which is kind of just like his second nature. And when that happens, I think that the slick Santos can end up finding the submission win here. And it's insane value for, for betting. If you want to bet Leonardo Santos via submission, I would definitely target that now. Um, Clay Guida at 7,400. I can see why a lot of people want to get to him because of his, his pace, his pressure, his volume, and just activity in the cage in hopes that he can win a decision. But you're going to need 100 points from, I would say, everybody on this card in order to make it into the optimal lineup. And I can see that happening for Santos a little bit more than I can see that happening for Clay Guida.
2: Plus 350, Leo mm-hmm. Santos to win via submission. Yeah, I would say you probably want to get on that one now yeah. before that line goes down later on in the week. Next up, we got a matchup between Brandon Allen and Chris Curtis. Brandon Allen, 9,600. Chris Curtis, 6,600. I, I remember when I looked at the betting odds earlier right this week, Pete, my first thought was like, whoo. That's a big line on Brennan Allen. I mean, look, I think he should be the favorite in this Mm. one, no question. I think the line's a little high on this one. You know, I had a a question on uh, Twitter earlier today uh, in relation to, uh, and Brennan Allen's name was brought up basically saying, you know, in terms of, Um, and this is from, uh, at St. Nick full says, Hey, Jason, is there any lock this week? Brian Allen card is so tough. Uh, I don't think there's a lock this week. I, I think there's a lot of fights that I think are just super close in this one. What concerns me, um, on Brandon Allen is Chris Curtis is durable. Now yeah. look, he's not an 85er, he's really a 70er. Um and, and Chris does tend to get off the slow starts and you saw that against Phil Hawes, which he talked about after the fact that that was part of his game plan. He wanted to wear down Phil Halls in that one. Um I, you know, in terms of GPPs, I'm, I I want to get a sprinkle of Chris Curtis.
1: Yeah, I think that the price tag on Brandon Allen's crazy. Like 9600 versus 6600 it's just forcing my hand to get to some Chris Curtis because of the skill set that we know he possesses. And he went out there and got that amazing win over Phil Hawes the last time out. And at 6,800, he scored 109 fantasy points and, you know, basically led Phil Hawes into a big shot and then followed up. And it was just an absolute excellent performance for him. And his his record overall is 27 and eight. The guy is extremely skilled, uh, mainly likes to strike, but has some solid takedown defense. The pricing is what's really forcing my hand. 6,600 is just absolutely too cheap. And 9,600 a little too much uh, for the, the skill set of Chris Curtis. Like I think Brendan Allen wins this fight. I do think Brennan Allen wins this fight, but does he perform insanely well at 9,600? He would need tons of takedowns or an early finish to really pay off that price yeah. tag because if he doesn't get you over 110 points, he's a bust. I don't know in relation to the rest of the fighters on the card that I can say with confidence he gets over 110 points more than some of these other 9,000 fighters. So I'm going to not fade Brendan Allen, but I'm going to be significantly underweight to him. And like I said, Chris Curtis is going to be in my long shot pool because I know that power he has. I don't like the matchup for him. I think that the UFC really isn't doing him any favors by pairing him up with Phil Hawes. Yes uh you know chinny guy with with suspect cardio and now turning around and fighting Brendan Allen things a much more difficult fight for him and uh fighting a 17 and four Brendan Allen is not an easy fight but he should end up walking away victorious but like I said tread carefully with this one.
2: Yeah it's what it was I was just uh pulled the DraftKings app and, and let's just say you wanted to pair Chris Curtis with a Jamal Hill. Yeah you got you it. can literally get whoever else you want.
1: Yeah. Salary doesn't exist this week. Just don't even look at it. Don't make the, well, if I, if I spend the remaining 400 or 500, I can get to the, don't even think about that. If you like however many fighters, six fighters, just lock them in your lineups, get them in your <laughs> lineups so ignore, ignore that green salary. Just totally ignore it.
2: But you made a great point a little bit earlier. You're going to need six fighters. all get hundred
1: points. Oh, 100%. I think we could be looking at a, what do you think the, the optimal score is going to be this week? 800. Uh, low end 725 yeah okay yeah you you can't have a decision win and, and i mean unless it's like a complete Hamza shamaia molly Wappen.
2: maybe a rob font jose aldo decision win
1: uh, i don't know i mean you you would need a lot to happen rob in that, does get hit a lot he does but i'm saying like it'd be one thing if you had a colby covington kamar usman or something like that, where you know yeah. they have grappling when you have two strikers it's kind of like for 25 minutes i'm i'm not really thinking it's going to make it into the optimal over 50 percent
2: yeah i know that that's it's a great pete uh comment Pete brought up Uh, as we're developing our lineups that's got to be the mentality and and that's where you really got to look at this fight card and 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 i'll tell you what i do is i just i start highlighting fights that i go this is a gpp fight this Mm -hmm. is a fight that's likely going to end via a fish now When you want to get all the great uh, data and tools we have over awesomeo.com, it's got time for an awesomeo weekly pass for $29.95. Gives you full access to everything we have over there at awesomeo.com. And we do got a special promo going on during this show. Use the promo code MMA Strategy Show. That's all word, all caps, MMA Strategy Show for 25% off your first week of also plus. Platinum, and if you're just looking for an awesome MMA weekly pass, you can get those as low as two ninety five weekly. Stop guessing, start winning. Join awesome Plus today, of course so When it comes to our MMA product, the thing that I always go to is that Top Fighter tool because typically the way it works is, and we get done with this show. I started looking at our top fire tool. I think about you may how Pete has swayed me one way or the other. <laughs> then I submit my pro plays. That is a part of the also plus uh, premium membership over there. Uh, sometimes Pete can sway my memory. That's, I will tell you later on the show, there's a fight that I basically told Pete before in our pre-show meeting. Can you talk me off this guy? We'll talk about that matchup here (laughs) a little bit later on. Next up, we got Alex Morono taking on Mickey Gall. Alex Morono, 9,500. Mickey Gall, 6,700. I was talking to uh, one of Alex Morono's main training partners, Jake Heffernan. who's a regional fire there in Texas, and one of the things that I found really interesting what he told me is about how Safe Saud has really changed the way they train on a day in day out basis alex basically goes between his home gym and traveling up to dallas to four to seven may there it was one of the big things but man i you know even before i saw the price point on this fight i was like man i really like alex morono that's a lot of price mm-hmm. i was like man i gotta pay a premium to get to alex morono
1: yeah same i i really like alex morono but the price tag is going to scare plenty of people off now let's say for instance that he's 20% owned, that means that 80% of the field is a little too afraid to roster Alex Morono. Now with a fighter in such a smash spot, in my opinion, against Mickey Gall, you could actually gain a lot of leverage on the field by being a little bit overweight to an expensive fighter, right? So like Alex Morona 9,500, I like him. He has to do a lot in this matchup. I think that he has more potential than a Brendan Allen because Brendan Allen is fight, fighting a, a better fighter. In Chris Curtis than Alex Morono is fighting in Mickey Gall, right? Like I think that Morono um has the striking advantage over Mickey Gall, who, you know, with his recent work of Joe Schilling over the past couple of years, he he can actually throw heavy strikes, but uh he's not a good striker. And he's going to get out volumed and he's going to resort to takedowns. He doesn't have the best wrestling. So when he's able to fight a fighter with better striking and somebody that's not going to be, you know, a fish on the mat. I think he's in a tough fight, and I really think that this is a tough fight for Mickey Gall. Um, he could end up going out there, and if any fighter can make it onto somebody's back, they can get a submission win. That's just if you can scramble correctly and you can get an advantageous position, you can walk away with a victory. The likelihood of that happening in this matchup, I think, is very slim. Morono's um, grappling, even though it's a strong suit of his skill set, mm-hmm. he can get somewhat, you know, lured into some bad positions. But I have to think that Alex Morono, with the teammates around him, the the excellent coaching staff, I think he's going to go out there and put a stamp on this and show that Mickey Gall really doesn't belong in there with him. Uh, I like Morono a lot at ninety five hundred. I'll probably be level with the field, or depending on the the size of my contest, I might take a little bit more of an aggressive mm-hmm. approach. But I think Morono gets it done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things this week you have to look at is those 9,000 options of, yeah. of who can we potentially gain a little bit of a leverage on the field that people are not getting to. But, I mean, look, that may be for an Allen just because of price point. But you can spend $100 yep. less to get to Alex Morono. Next up, we got uh, my guy, Coconut Bombs. You know what he wants to do. You know what Coconut Bombs wants to do.
1: Does he, though? <laughs> Does
2: well, he, though? T- he takes on Dusko here. So this is uh, 7600 for Maki, 8600 for dusko uh you know look it's i I don't look if you're dusko i don't think you want to get into hey let's just start throwing some bungalows and and
1: see who falls first no i mean i don't think he he, it's a weird fight right because maki patolo with the nickname of coconut bombs with the personality of a of a striker uh, a very strong striker Goes out there and attempts five takedowns against Julian Marquez. Actually, lands five of 11 takedowns against Julian Marquez. So, for being such a striker, yes, Julian Marquez is a big, big guy for the division and pretty pretty savvy on the Mm -hmm. feet. But Maki really resorts to his wrestling when things get ugly or he starts to get fatigued Mm -hmm. uh, or if he wants to switch it up. And I think that could be to his detriment in this matchup against Dusko Todorovic, who I – Cannot stand how Dusko fights. I truly cannot because his hands are low. He leans back with his chin up in the air. He's going to get knocked out again, similar to how he got knocked out against Punahele Soriano because of just his lacking of striking defense and just, just ah, his fight IQ is terrible. But his skill set is a little bit more well-rounded than Maki Pitolo where he really has strong grappling in his back pocket where he's not making critical errors on the mat where Maki Pitolo will initiate takedowns, will get in good positions. And then when the going gets tough or the scramble start to happen, he'll leave his neck out there and he'll, he'll get exposed in one little sequence. It's happened several times, but two dimension against Julian Marquez and also against Darren Stewart. He does that against Dusko Todorovic. And I, I think that he could end up getting submitted Um, pretty similar because it's a very volatile fight. This is going to be a part of my, uh, GPP, you know, groups that I'm going to mm-hmm. set because I just I view this fight as a hundred point fight. Whoever's going to win this, uh, Maki Pitolo, if he if he goes out there and he says I'm going to strike and I'm going to test that chin of Dusko Todorovic by catching him when he leans back, trying to replicate that Punahela Soriano, you have a guy in 7600 who's going to get you a hundred plus points because of the knockdowns and the crazy, you know, crazy just violence that's going to occur in this matchup, but. I will say that despite all of Dusko's uh, lapses in judgment and all of his flaws, I'm still picking him to win at 8,600. I think that this could be a breakout performance for him uh, because the the breakout performance against Daquan, Daquan Townsend is really his only good feather in his cap thus far in his UFC career.
2: Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show and we are sponsored by Monkey Night Fight with Monkey Knife Fight. You are in charge. You can sign up today over at monkeynightfight.com. Be sure to use the promo code awesome for instant first match deposit of up to $100. And Ps. I'm looking over at Monkey Night Fight main event, you knew the total strikes number was going to be a high number because of these two guys. 152 and a 152.5 for Rob Font, Jose Aldo, 121.5 and a half.
0: Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepix.com get100. For first deposit matchup to $100. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: I'm leaning on the more side for Rob Font and the less side on Jose Aldo.
1: I'm going to say more for both, truthfully. I, I think this is going to be a tit-for-tat type of thing where they, they go in the exchange and it's going to be a uh, back-and-forth affair on the feet. Um, I think it's going to be more for both.
2: Yeah, I think the question to me is, is we saw uh, how Rob was able to dodge the punches of Cody Garbrandt with that speed, and, and it's something actually that, that Rob talked about leading up this one. He feels like the Cody fight has really helped him out in terms mm. of that one. Then the co-main event, uh, a 103.5, Riddell, 80.5. This might be a more on one side, less on the other. Give me more on Riddell less on Faziv.
1: I would totally agree with you. I think it's close. Like, I think it's really close and you're talking about like single digits off one way or another, but I would agree with you.
2: And of course, uh, be sure to check out monkeyknifefight.com, monkeyknifefight.com. Of course, you can also download their app in the App Store. Be sure to use that promo code also for instant first match deposit of up to $100. Move on. Next up, we got a matchup between Manel Cop and Zalgis Mugov. Ninety four hundred for cop 6,800 6, for Zalgus. Which take, Pete?
1: Yeah, so I like Manel Cop here. Um, Zalgus Shmagalov has been somewhat of a disappointment. Uh, he had an explosive win over Jerome Rivera in his last time with a with a nice submission win. Only scored ninety four points in a first round victory, and traditionally he's just not good for DFS. Uh, he will uh, attempt takedowns at times. His volume is somewhat uh, lethargic for the division. Uh, you would expect a lot more for a, uh, a flyweight, but Mano cop doesn't it up until his last performance, it looked like he was going to be a disappointment in the UFC because outside the UFC, he was absolutely incredible. He showcases excellent boxing. He likes to stance switch so he can, he can strike from either side. Uh, he has good wrestling as well. When he decides, okay, the rounds close, I'm going to change levels and, and get a takedown. He checks so many boxes for me. I absolutely love Manel Kopp. If people are down on him and think that the last performance over Ode Osborne's a fluke because it was competitive until the the beautiful flying knee, I'm okay with that. Uh, 9,400, though, the price tag, it's just, does he end up getting a finish? He seems somewhat to be okay with sitting back and just winning rounds and banking rounds than being that aggressive finisher. I'm going to say Manel Kopp wins this fight pretty handily. It's just for DFS. Does he go out there and get you 100 plus points? I would say most of the time, no. But there aren't too many, I feel good about this fighter Mm -hmm. on this fight card. And I feel good about this fighter. So uh, be careful. Take that how you want. But Manel Cop's going to walk away victorious.
2: Next up, we got a matchup that literally came together on Monday as Brian Barbarino was flying to Vegas, initially supposed to take on Matt Brown. Of course, Matt Brown mm-hmm. out of the fight, and as he got on the plane, he had no idea if he'd have a pony or not, but he did get an opponent. He's taking on Darion Weeks. 8400 for Brian Barbarino, $7,800 for Darion Weeks. Uh, when you look at the uh, the betting side of the equation, it looks like some money's been coming in on Darion Weeks. I had a chance to talk to Darion back in uh, the end of February after you guys LFA win. He has a, had a daytime job as a barber he is a boxer
1: yeah i mean it's a weird fight right like um i kind of view this one as a volatile matchup because we, there are so many unknowns so many question marks surrounding brian barbarina's health and all the injuries throughout his career uh he clearly is the ufc vet and you have a debuting fighter in um in weeks here darian weeks set at seventy eight hundred. it's a little little pricey for a guy just coming you know breaking into the ufc um what has he done to really get an opportunity like this? Well, he's a good striker, but he is only 5-0, and and he's fighting a, an MMA fighter in Brian Barberena, who has 23 MMA fights. So we have to take that into consideration. Darren Weeks does have a solid amateur background. If you want to go back, he has nearly 20, 15, 20 amateur fights, which is a lot more than a lot of people can say. Um, so in, in addition to that, his boxing experience, I could see why money... Is starting to come in on this this underdog coming you know into the UFC in, in hopes of taking out the UFC vet who's riddled with injuries and hasn't really looked the same in several fights now. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to make a group to get to this, but logic would say that Brian Barbarena, the, the UFC vet, is just going to be too much for a debuting fighter. If, if um, Darian Weeks has any grappling at all, that's the easiest path to victory, is just take Brian Barbarena down, and uh, I don't foresee that happening. And on a striking matchup, that would favor Darian Weeks. So I get it. It's just a little too much too soon. Would you you happen to interview Darian Weeks? Is there anything that you can you can provide about this, or is there like this? Is just seems like a completely volatile matchup where Brian Barbarino on paper should beat the debuting fighter. Correct. But I, I'm very nervous about this matchup. What concerns me
2: is, you know, Barbara Reyes had the injury issues issues over the past couple of years. That kind of concerns me. You got, mm-hmm. and then of course, you, you know, he's preparing to take on Matt Brown. Now you got Weeks coming in, making his UFC on a short notice. I mean, you talk about the amateur stuff. Yeah, you know, there's some fighters out there who just don't do
1: amateur fights. Right. Exactly.
2: I like the guy I'm talking to.
1: Yeah. I, only kickboxing. Only kickboxing. Yeah. I I, I had to confirm this.
2: I'm like, let me pull up Pete's Tapology page. Yeah, Pete never had an, an amateur fight.
1: No, no, nope, just tons of kickboxing. Yeah, you, you got you got started at a young age. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, but man, it's a weird fight, right? Where the UFC guy, if you want to look at it black and white, Brian Barbarana is going to get a victory at 8400. OK, the price point's perfect. Does he get a finish? I don't know. Does he really go the takedown route? Not really. That's a an unknown, right? Like Brian Barbarana comes from a very, very strong camp. And fighting Matt, you go from fighting Matt Brown to Darian Weeks. I think he would have lost to Matt Brown personally. I think Matt Brown probably would have destroyed him. But uh, MMA math doesn't work like that. And the debuting hungry fighter could literally put hands on Barbaran and walk away with a victory. So I'm lost on this fight, Jason. I'm going to lead you with this. And and, Barbaran and
2: and Barbaran can find himself in the brawls. Um, Yeah. It, it's I, I want to see what the weigh-ins look like, first off. Okay, that, That's the first part of the equation. Like what has Weeks been training? You know, has yeah. he been in hardcore training? I mean, that it's it's a lot of unknowns. Right now on Thursday, I would say Barbarino.
1: Okay, I, I would agree with you. And this is like a, a last minute patch, patch this fight up type of thing where uh you're gonna have to take a wait-and-see approach, but uh I will lean towards the UFC veteran, but come come weigh-in day, come fight day, that may completely change. So this is the one fight I'm lost on.
2: And as Joshua mentions in the chat, there's not a lot of tape out there on Darian Weeks. No, there's not, is not a
1: lot of tape out
2: there. Next up, you know, I mentioned about there was a fight that I was said to Pete, can you talk me off this underdog? And that underdog is Jeremiah Wells taking on Jake Matthews. Jeremiah Wells, 7,100, Jake Matthews, 9,100. Wells comes from a great team. Uh, Jake Matthews is a guy that, you know, I I think at one time, I I think we thought that ceiling being extremely high. Um, This is one of those ones that as I was looking at price points, I was like, man, Jeremiah Wells is really tempting.
1: Jeremiah Wells is absolutely tempting. And uh, Jake Matthews, I hold in a high regard. I think that he's exceptional. I think he he has very, very good boxing. Um, You saw that against Sean Brady at times. You've seen that in the past against other fighters where he can go out there and have good combinations. But his best path to victory for beating a lot of these fighters is taking them down, getting in top position, whether it's incorporating a submission finish or strong ground and pound in control time. Jake Matthews is, is uh, an amazing fighter. Like, I, I really like him, and I think that he has tons. He's so young still that I think that he has tons of promise within the division. Jeremiah Wells is that kind of wild card on the card where when he hits people, they just don't react well. And he's coming from one of the hottest teams out there in Hensel Gracie, Philly. And I've been saying this for weeks and months and years that Daniel Gracie at Hensel Gracie, Philly has a strong stable of fighters mm-hmm. that are kind of flying under the radar. You saw that with Sean Brady. You saw that with Pat Sabatini. And now you have Jeremiah Wells to, to really add to that list. So it's not me talking you off of Jeremiah Wells because of the underdogs. He has some of the best upside when you knock out, uh, Worley Alves in the second round and scored 96 points at 7,000 flat. I can, I think that you can knock out plenty of people. And I know that Worley has some susceptibility to getting cracked, but I think that Jake Matthews, if he doesn't a- approach this with, I'm going to use my wrestling, he could be a sitting duck for some of these big wild combinations of Jeremiah Wells. So uh, it's a tricky fight. This is another one where I will be making a group and prioritizing it just because I feel like, if Matthews gets top position over most fighters in the division, he's a very, very tough fighter to deal with. But I do like the Jeremiah Wells call at 7,100, and I'm okay with getting to him. I like him. I'll side with Jeremiah Wells slightly.
2: I'm siding with Jeremiah Wells a little bit here. I mean, as you mentioned throughout the show, there's so many 7,000 options that mm-hmm. you can look at a year, and that's where you got to use Fancy Crunch your advantage, with them in groups and Figure out how to come up with your lineups. Next up, we got a female matchup. we got Cheyenne Villamas taking on Mallory Martin. Cheyenne, 9,720 for Mallory. Um, And, of course, Cheyenne was supposed to fight two weeks ago against Luke Boomy, pulled out of the fight due to testing positive for COVID. And here's a concern for me. This is from two weeks ago. She appeared on MA Junkie Radio. She's asked about it. Quote, I'm still not 100%. My fight is now two weeks away. It's attacked my lungs pretty good. So basically, I'm taking this fight, just trying to heal up and go out there and do my thing. Luckily, the UFC is working with me. I'm going to see a doctor on Monday. I'm going to get an inhaler, taking all the breathing treatments I can do. This is definitely one of the craziest things I've ever done in my life, but I have all the confidence in myself to go out there and just beat her ass and go home concerns that, that uh,
1: amazing fight IQ amazing IQ in general huh um this is hey, j- just remember
2: she will follow you home bitch yeah right yeah well still one of the greatest slides actually atop that line if you saw it this week Brandon Figueredo Calling Davison Figueroa his best sponsor ever yes, because how I he's bought it. his house, he's bought his car, and so he's down for a third fight. I love like, it. like
1: this is a great line. I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I love Brandon Moreno. Uh, this is a tricky one because um, on the feet, Cheyenne can can pose a lot of problems for people because of her volume and good combinations. It's those intangibles and the, the X factors that you brought up that really just completely make me hesitate about rostering her at all. And just going the complete opposite side, just because, because I'll tell you what, when, when you have COVID and you are symptomatic, it definitely takes a toll on your body and it definitely will zap your energy and your cardio. Now, when that happens, you're probably not training consistently. um, Or if you are, you're just completely just selfish. Imagine just training with everybody when getting everybody infected. But anyways, I think that that's a big deal for cardio. And in addition to that, I know that she's going through some personal issues. Like I think she just recently had a divorce, which you don't want to really read into too much personal things. But you put all that together, you put this bad decision of taking a fight on short notice when you're not 100%. This is either the best poker player in the world and Cheyenne Valismas, or she's just completely foolish. And I'm going to lean towards that. She's completely foolish. Mallory Martin, not the most skilled fighter within the division does have very good wrestling can negate the striking of volismus by getting in top position she just needs to avoid submissions and that that's been the achilles heel of mallory martin is the fight iq when it hits the mat um janny roba okay she got submitted can't really fault her for that Poliana viana got submitted in that situation so i guess some pretty talented fighters she she can get taken out of there via submission I think with everything being said, I'm going to favor Mallory Martin in the fight even though I don't think she's the better fighter, but at 7200 with all that being said about Velismus, I just can't trust her. It's a it's a no thank you for me.
2: Yeah, the the comment there, and of course Joshua brings up uh also in an interview with MMA Junkie, she knew that if Martin approached her on the street, she'd fight her.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: that that's well, no I kidding. have to I have to question the people in her inner circle of, of why rush to get a fight. I'm no, very well mean she needs money. That could very well be the case. But it's like, man, you, you know, it, it's like, I don't know if you saw the, the interview Kevin Lee get Eric uh, Hawani uh, yesterday, where he's basically sitting there saying, you got to take what's best for you, what's yeah. not best for the promotion. And, and I look at Cheyenne here and say, recover from COVID, then come back. Yeah, but it, this kind of strains me that she probably needs money
1: yeah i mean you get chewed up and spit out in the ufc all the time and you've seen it happen to the best fighters in the world where they do the best thing for the company they try to be a company woman or man uh taking tough fights and next thing you know you're on a uh, on a losing skid and besides uh sam alvey they, they they kick you kick you to the curb and sam alvey is just winless and then, like i mean it's crazy what his losing streak is and for some reason i don't know he still has a job but I like Sam, but it's, it's pretty crazy how some of these other fighters get cut and you have fighters like that not getting cut.
2: Yeah, I know. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, let's move on to uh, next guys that, you know, let's just say uh, they, they work hard in the gym. Alonzo yeah. Mennefield and William Knight. Alonzo Mennefield, 8,700. Uh, William Knight, 7,500. Uh, I mean, if this thing hits the third round, I have no idea who would have the better gas tank. Um, I do think Alonzo Mennefield is a better fighter, though
1: yeah i mean this is easily one of the hardest fight cards to play mma dfs this is going to be you could you could either just completely fill your lineups with underdogs or take a, a betting approach and and target underdogs in most of these fights and you'll probably walk out with some profit uh do you have an action figure against a superhero in this matchup of alonzo Menafield against william knight and uh william knight has some crazy power and when he touches people they go to sleep um his chin being up in the air is going to be to to get him in trouble one day. It really is. His chin just is straight up in the air. He leans back. He's a smaller frame fighter for the division, uh, but he's absolutely a muscle shark. Like he's the Sean Shirk of this division where he's just completely ripped. Uh Alonzo Menafield is the bigger guy, um, with the the less grappling credentials and less grappling skill. But I think that his explosiveness can definitely get a fighter and knight out of there if he if he chains together the correct combination. This is another fight, right, where I can't see this being a snoozer. I think that somebody's getting knocked out or finished one way or another. Um, Alonzo Menafield picking up a submission win, not going to happen again. Uh, I think that he's going to go out there and, and try to keep this on the feet, keep it at distance, pick apart the smaller frame, William Knight, who should look to change levels and put Alonzo Menafield on his back. Completely volatile matchup, but I'm leaning Alonzo Menafield at 8,700. I know that William Knight's from my area. Um... But yeah, I don't have the blinders on. I think Alonzo is gonna get it done.
2: That's the one thing, this business. We gotta take our blinders off, even though yeah. we have those, you know, those friendships with people uh, in this industry. I call it like we see it. Of course, so one of the things that Pete and I love to see on Friday night, hopefully I can hope I see this on, on Saturday night. Uh, when I'm in Atlanta, I love to see those winning screenshots. And, of course, if you want to get into the Osmo Hall of Fame, you got to be rocking that Awesome avatar on your DFS profile. You can get that over at slash avatar. Place the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants. Tweet your win. So at Osmo HOF, you win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Only one free month can be awarded to a user Per calendar year, and uh, congratulations to all the guys. You're gonna see those rolling up on the screen. uh, As you got uh, Erica coming down in first place, taking down four thousand dollars there over on DraftKings. Also, uh, there you see a winner there, taking down first, first, and thirteenth, one hundred fiftieth, and win several prizes there along the lines. Also, uh, Dre uh, taking down second place there. In a contest, uh, Corey taking down a contest there over an NBA, winning five thousand dollars. Also, a Jordan Weber taking down third place in an NBA contest. Of course, uh, you gotta check out all the great NBA content we have over here, at Awesomeo. .com. Start off with the, the Slate starter Podcast that gets your morning started. Then we got the strategy show. And then, of course, Deeper Dive, a live before lock. Also, uh, check out the Deeper Dive article that is free over at that Adam puts out every single day. So be sure to check that out. Next up, uh, we got three more fights here to break down before we get out of here on this edition of the show. We got Calio Puello taking on Chris Grutschmacher. This is his favorite fight, the 8,800 fight. Chris Grutschmacher, the 8,200 Side of the equation and I like the durability of Gritzmacher in this in this spot.
1: When I see these salaries, like my blood pressure raises, like it really, <laughs> it really does. Like I, I don't know. I wish they just never existed because I have the most difficult time with it, admittedly. Um, in this matchup, I think that a lot of people are going to have the Gritzmacher blinders on. Um, and I think it's because he has looked good, right? Like beating Hafa Garcia. I think mean means something because Hoffa Garcia, he's a, a talented enough striker, but really resorts to takedowns to, to, you know, get victories, but doesn't have the best cardio. Uh, he's fighting a grappling specialist in Claudio Puelas, who has been training at Sanford MMA. And admittedly, you guys know that I have Sanford MMA bias. I absolutely love that team, that gym. Uh, I can't really say the same about Chris Gritzmacher. I mean, His team doesn't mean that he can't get victories in the UFC, but he doesn't have the most talented training partners. Whereas Claudio Puelas is training with phenomenal UFC, Bellator, all these high level athletes on the daily. I like Claudio Puelas here. He needs to take down Chris Grutzmacher and he needs to implement a ton of control time because Chris Grutzmacher on the feet is a nightmare with his pressure. He will walk you down. He'll pick you apart and he will grind out a victory. And that's, that's really what he can do to a lot of these fighters within this division. It's just his Achilles heel is his grappling and his wrestling and getting caught in submissions. And a guy in Claudio Puelas, I think is a guy that could end up getting Gritzmacher out of there. Not the biggest name. Puelas is definitely not the biggest name that Gritzmacher has faced. Uh, You look at Chaz Skelly, um, Alexander Hernandez, Joe Lozon, Davy Hamosh, like all legitimate competition, but that doesn't mean that a guy in Claudio Puelas who has similar skill sets to some of those fighters, can't go out there and implement the correct game plan. So I am leaning Puelas in this matchup, but I would much rather have this fight than I would probably say the Hothfield-Vaziv-Brad-Riddell fight in a similar salary situation of 8300 and
2: 7900 uh, Next up, we got a matchup that's a uh, late replacement here. Jared ah. Vandera stepping up here on short notice. 6900 taking on Ozot. Mirzanikov 9300 what, what concerns me about this one is Asimot was going to be fighting at light heavyweight. He is a light heavyweight. And now you're taking on a very big heavyweight where he is going to have a noticeable size disadvantage. This one Van Der will have a nine-inch reach advantage in this one.
1: This his fight card is just bananas. It, it it's like a, a smoker type of field where, like, oh, you got opponents dropping out. Yeah. Uh, well, we can patch it uh, a matchup. <laughs> that's a weight class higher where you're going to have a 50 pound weight disadvantage against your opponent. Are you down? You want to fight or not? Yeah, I'll take the hey, fight. No problem at all. Are you a fighter or not? Yeah, right. Okay. That, that that's that line right there will, will definitely make people want to want to take the fight. And it's just like, oh, my God, what a terrible decision to take a fight in the heavyweight weight class because. It's not a matter of being able to compete on the feet, right? It's a matter of if Jared Vandera implements the correct game plan, pins you against the cage, wears you down because you're 50 pounds lighter, gets on top of you, God forbid, somehow. That's a lot of weight to deal with. So Jared Vandera Mm -hmm. is in my underdog long shot pool just because of the weight and not because of his skill because I don't really think he's all that good. But in top position, he can put some crazy damage on you. Mirzakhanov is coming from a, a very good gym in K Dojo tribe where I actually know the coaches and they're amazing. Like they have good striking and some really good grappling and wrestling. Um, it's the weight disadvantage that's really like making me hesitate here. But I think that c- the quick combinations of Mirzakhanov probably gets him the victory more often than not. It's like a 60 40. There's no reason why it should be 9,300, 6,900. Uh, given the weight disparity. So I'm still thinking that Mirzakhanov gets it done, probably hits Vandera with a combination or two, uh, sits him down, follows up with some fast hands, and the speed's going to be a crazy difference maker in this matchup. Vandera will throw one strike to five of Mirzakhanov. So I'm picking Mirzakhanov to win, but like I said, Vandera, long shot pool, no, no problem at all.
2: Opening fight of the night, you got Lewis Smolka taking on Vince Morales. Eighty five hundred for Lewis Smolka, seventy seven hundred for Vince Morales. And uh, you know, uh, I had Vince Morales on my podcast this week, and you know, big part of the conversation was is about how the UFC PI essentially has rebuilt him over the last year after he had that injury. But when we talk about what we've seen from Vince inside. UFC cage. I don't think we can forget what Chris Gutierrez did with him with the leg kicks. And if you're, you're, if you're Luis Smolka, how how are you not emphasizing that as part of your game plan?
1: I mean, you would think, right. But I don't think that Luis Smolka is nearly the striker that Chris Gutierrez is. I think Chris Gutierrez is one of the brightest spots and brightest surprises that the UFC has had. Um, I like him in general. And I think that he's going to have a pretty successful career in the UFC. He's already started with one. Luis Smolka has been inconsistent. Uh, he's kind of alternated wins and losses throughout his UFC career. He won one fight. He'll look amazing. Next fight, he'll make a, a you know a bad decision, get caught in a submission. But the, the fighters that he's losing via submission, uh, Casey Kenny, Matt Schnell, and uh, Brandon Moreno, I think that's pretty skilled company in regards to grappling. All three of those guys, I would say are submission specialists, minus Casey Kenny, who I think that's a little, not fluky, but... Um, he has amazing wrestling throughout his entire life. Mm -hmm. He just decides not to use it. So I I think that kind of surprised some people, but Luis Smoka, he's able to compete against some of the top fighters within the division and, you know, against Mateus Nicolau, Tim Elliott, Ray Borg. He had, he wasn't submitted in those fights. So it's not like where it's just an absolute Achilles heel and a guy in Vince Morales who might have some sneaky jujitsu. I know he talked about it in some interviews, which kind of surprised me. I don't think it's something that he can really target against the Louis Smolka. I, I think that Louis Smolka checks more boxes for me. Um, as long as he doesn't get into a firefight and just stay on the outside, I think if he mixes it up, he's the better MMA fighter. So at 8,500, I like him. It's just, do I like him more than some of these other fighters? Probably not. I don't know how often this fight ends up in the, in the optimal lineup, uh, but it's Louis Smolka for me.
2: Of course, before we get into our straight up five picks, be sure to uh, give us a thumbs up right here on YouTube, or if you listen to us on the podcast version of the show, leave us a rating and a review on that on our Awesome MMA feed there. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and of course, be sure to subscribe to Awesome right here on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you show you know when a show is live here on the channel. Let's give our uh, straight up picks for this one, not DFS related. I'll, I'll hit you here first, Pete. Uh, give me Font. Give me Fazive. Crute. don't feel great about that one. Uh Santos. God, I want to say Chris Curse, but I'll go Brandon Allen. Uh Morono, Gimme Macchipatolo, Manel Cop. I'll go Brian Barberina, Jeremiah Wells, Cheyenne Villamos, even though I don't feel good about that one. Um, yeah, I know. Uh (laughs) Gimme Minifield, Grissmacher. I gotta go Vandera because of the size and uh Give me Vince Morales in the upset.
1: Oh, man. Okay. Non-DFS related, I'm going absolute homer pick. Rob Font, uh, Rafael Vaziv, Jimmy Crute, uh Santos, Brendan Allen, Morono, Todorovic, Manel Kopp, Brian Barberena. as of now, Jeremiah Wells, Mallory Martin, Alonzo Menafield, Claudio Puelas, Merzakhinov, and Luis Smolka. It is an ugly week, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Well, fish on this question. Joshua goes, I know it's not MMA, but you can't talk Frank Gore versus Teron Williams. Of course, I'll be here uh, two weeks here in my hometown of Tampa. Um, here's about the only thing I can really say about that fight. Teron Williams is a co-owner of Force MMA. He's trained in combat sports for a long time, so I would give Teron oh. Williams the, the edge in that
1: one. Really? I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I don't pay attention to these circus fights, but I will, set, I will side with the football player and Frank Gore. It's just
2: get you down to Tampa, make you go to that fight, yeah.
1: Right? Imagine, yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to go down all the way to Tampa, seeing you would be a bonus. But to go see that fight, are you kidding me?
2: We'll get you a ticket,
1: yeah. Okay. Thanks, thanks. Pay for my flight too, and I'll consider it.
2: Oh, flight's are pretty expensive these days, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> flights yeah, are pretty exactly. expensive these days. I'm yeah, just telling exactly. you, man, as um, someone who travels a lot, yeah, they're expensive these days. <laughs> yeah, forget that. But that is going to do it for the Also MMA Strategy Show. Of course, coming up next will be the NHL Strategy Show. guys. He's ready for tonight's NHL slate. Pete will be back on Saturday as uh, Greg will be filling in for me on Live Before Lock as I'll be in Atlanta for Bucks and Falcons. So until next week, this has been the Also MMA Strategy Show. Have a good day, everybody.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.